Hello and welcome back. To those that I haven't met before, my name is Pete. Together my wife, B. we lead the church here at KXE. So massive welcome and welcome to Vision Sunday part two. We did the first part a month ago. And in a moment, we're going to look forward. Um, the purpose of this is to cast vision for rebuilding, resourcing and reshaping so that we can recommit to being all in for 2021. So we're going to look forward and we've got some incredibly exciting news to share. But before we look forward, um, we're going to look back. Um, and I want to take us back a couple of years um, and ask this question. What's the most consistent prayer that you've been praying for KXE for us as a church family? The presumption is that you have been praying. So um, what have you been praying when you've been praying for us as a church family? And when we've gathered together Sunday by Sunday and at Seek First events, what's been our most consistent prayer? And I think the answer to that question is our most consistent prayer has been Come, Holy Spirit. In other words, Lord, would you pour out your spirit on us as a church family? We want to see a revival in the church and we long to see an awakening in the surrounding culture. We've been quoting and praying Habakkuk chapter three. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Would you repeat them in our day? In our time, would you make them known? We've been quoting Habakkuk chapter one. You know, look at the nations, look and watch, be utterly amazed. I'm about to do something that if I told you about it, you would not believe. Believe me. So we've been praying, Lord, pour out your spirit at this time. Listen to these words. This is Mark Batterson in his brilliant book, Circle Maker. He says, prayers are prophecies. They are the best predictors of your spiritual future. Who you become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. I love that. The transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. Could it be that we're at a time where we're praying really big prayers and we're beginning to live in some of the answers to those prayers? Like, I believe we are living in extraordinary days. And now's the time to wake up and say, Lord, would you draw us into all that you're doing? One of the prophecies we were given, this was um, early 2019. Emma Heddle wrote down this vision. And when I read this in light of what we're experiencing now in 2020, it sends shivers down my spine. So this is called Tides. I want to read it again. You've probably heard it before, but I'm going to read it again now. We all pity the man who tries to turn back the tide, the bedraggled lone man standing on the shoreline, desperately trying to change the certainty of nature with a single bucket. Again and again, he fills the bucket with water, emptying it further out into the sea, hoping he'll be able to preserve the fragile sandcastles he's lovingly crafted on the sand. But the tide is coming in. No matter how hard he tries, they will be swept away. Blinkered to the opportunity that fresh sand brings, he wears himself himself out as he battles the inevitable, forgetting that sandcastles were only ever meant to be temporary. Yes, beautiful in their time, but vulnerable structures that should serve a moment rather than be preserved for eternity. The thing with the tide is that it's all consuming. It doesn't save or preserve. It drags up the old and leaves crisp, cr clean, crisp sand in its wake. The question isn't how do we preserve the frameworks? It's are you prepared to surrender what you've built? We can't dream of the day when strongholds of this land crumble. Ancient, imposing rocks that have dominated the landscape for so long, washed away in a roaring wave without surrendering the sandcastles. The tide erodes those ancient cliffs, but it also destroys the frameworks of past seasons which 
cannot contain this new life. Fragile egos won't withstand the tide's roar. Strongholds are coming down, but so are your structures. You can't have one without the other. The roar of the sea is terrifying. The power is immense, but there's also untold opportunity. There's an invitation in, a moment to be seized by those who've learned to hold things lightly, free from the burden of expectation and preservation, who are prepared to surrender what has worked in order to embrace the present moment. For those who don't fear the crumbling of systems because they can see beyond the destruction to the playfulness and joy that fresh sand brings. It's to those that this season belongs to, to the rebuilders, the risk takers, the visionaries, to those who throw caution to the wind and take nothing with them. The landscape is about to be leveled. We started reading that early 2019, fast forward a year. The landscape has been leveled. We have seen it. We've experienced it, right? It's been happening all around us. And three things strike me about that prophetic word. Number one, there's a move of the spirit, right? The tide of the spirit coming in. Number two, there's a dismantling that takes place. And number three, there's a rebuilding. This always happens when the spirit of God is at work. We often think that when the spirit moves, there'll be addition. God adds people and things to our our congregations and our families. But no, when the spirit begins to move, there's subtraction followed by multiplication. In other words, there's subtraction. There's a stripping back. There's a purifying as God prepares the house for explosive life, multiplication, the kingdom of God advancing. We've seen the landscape leveled. Could it be that we're getting ready for a move of the spirit of God? Now, I know some of you might be thinking, really, do you see all that? And the answer is like, yes, like, I think this is what I'm sensing. Like I've been quoting and, and examining again 1 Kings 18, where Elijah basically says, I, I hear the sound of heavy rain coming. I just can't deny my gut. I, I hear this sound. And he sends basically a servant, go to look towards the sea. Can you see a heavy rain coming on the horizon? And the servant comes back and says, no, blue skies. No, can't see it. No, can't see it. And Elijah says, I want you to go again. He goes again, can't see it. Go again, can't see it. Go again, seven times. And on the seventh time, he comes back and says, do you know what? On the horizon, I see this tiny cloud, the size of a man's fist, but like maybe something stirring. Sometimes you hear the rain before you see the rain, before you feel the rain. Can you hear the sound of a heavy rain coming? This is what I can see. I can see a reordering of the church. I feel it in the context of KXC. I see it as we look at the church in this nation. There's a reordering. But could it be that the reordering is because God wants to pour out his fire upon us? Listen to these words. This is C.S. Lewis now. He says this. Imagine yourself as a living house. Now, that's a New Testament image, right? Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, as Peter says, like, you are living stones being built into a spiritual house. In other words, you as the church, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, meeting point of heaven and earth. So C.S. Lewis says this, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. 
He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, so you're not surprised. I would say that was life pre-COVID. We knew that God was work forming us in different ways, you know, leaky roofs and things that needed attention, but then something hits and listen to how C.S. Lewis goes on. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is God up to? Have you asked that question? What is God up to right now? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of, throwing out a new wing here, putting an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. He's building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. Like I wonder if the church, like at this time on our watch, we've settled for being a little quaint cottage with an intimidating front door that isn't very welcoming, with a massive, massive back door, which everyone's leaving from. And the central heating system isn't working very well, so it feels cold inside. And the windows are dirty, so not much light is coming in. This is how people perceive the church, right? And every so often in church history, you see this, where God steps in and says, I will not allow my church to settle for less than their identity. I intended my bride to be glorious, to radiate the goodness of God to the world. So I'm just going to come and get involved. And it's not just going to be a little sort of paint job here and there. I'm going to knock out that wall. We're going to break through that ceiling. I'm going to open up the front door so it looks like a place of incredible hospitality and welcome. I'm going to fix the back door and we're going to take discipleship seriously. We're going to clean the windows to allow the light to come flooding in. We're going to fix the central heating because I want people to feel the warmth of my spirit in my my house. I'm going to get involved. Why? Because I want to put my fire in that place. I want to dwell in that palace. Could it be that that's what's happening at this time? God is reordering the house because he wants to fill it with fire. Let me name just some of the defining features of God's house. Let's call it the king's house. Some of the defining features of the king's house. Number one, I've already named it. It's a house filled with fire. This is the, the, the defining marker of the house of God. It's filled with his presence. Like we're about to celebrate the Christmas story, right? We know that kings love to dwell in very impressive palaces. But the defining feature of God's house isn't the aesthetic beauty, the outward appearance of the house. It's what dwells within it. So when God takes on human flesh, he's born in a stable. And yet that stable spiritually becomes a palace because the presence of of God is found there yeah. right right the way through the scriptures you'll see this God has chosen to dwell amongst his people. You see it in Genesis 1 and 2, the Garden of Eden. You see it through the Exodus narrative where God dwells in the tabernacle, the, temp, uh, the tent, as they journey from Egypt to the promised land. You see it as they establish a temple in Jerusalem, the meeting point of heaven and earth, the dwelling place of God's spirit. Then in the New Testament, Jesus says, I am the temple. In other words, I'm the meeting point of heaven and earth. I'm the place where God resides. And then at Pentecost, because the spirit is poured out and we as the church become the temple of the Holy Spirit. In each of those examples, the king's house is marked out by fire. Exodus chapter 40, as they dedicate this tent, the fire of God fills the tent. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, as they consecrate the temple, the fire of God fills the temple. In the ministry of Jesus, John the Baptist prepares people and says, when that guy comes, 
He's going to baptize, not just in the spirit, but with fire. He's going to be immersed in fire. And those that encounter him will experience fire. Pentecost, fire falls from heaven. It's the defining feature of the king's house. You'll find his presence there. It's a house filled with fire. Here's the second feature then. It's a house that welcomes in the broken. You see this in Jesus as he says, I am the new temple. Who's welcomed at this temple? And it's the sinners and it's the outcasts. It's the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the adulterers and the lepers and those demonically oppressed and the widows and the orphans. It was a house of phenomenal hospitality, a house for the broken. And what were people experiencing in this house? The answer is forgiveness of sins. That which separated them from God was washed away. They experienced freedom because when the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and they experienced family. Yeah. I love this image. My mate, Johan Anderson, used to be part of KXC. This is his, his um, picture, his piece of art of the Last Supper. I mean, that is a table marked out by grace, yeah. a table of radical hospitality. This is what the king's house is all about. You know, when Jesus began his ministry, we've been looking at this over the last few weeks. He said, the spirit of the Lord's upon me. And this is, is what my ministry will look like. Poor people will hear incredibly good news. The brokenhearted will find healing. Those that are held captive are going to experience liberation. Where there is ashes, people will see beauty. Where there is mourning, people will experience joy. Where there's a spirit of despair, and we see that all around us right now. People will experience a garment of praise that will replace it. And when people are part of that kind of transformation, it says they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for so long. You see, the king's house is marked out by radical hospitality. Here's the third thing then. It's a house that sends out carriers of fire. You see, the church wasn't meant to be a castle that we'd run to to keep safe and to protect ourselves from the world. It was meant to be a base camp for mission. Now, you read stories of adventurers, they'd establish a base camp and from that base camp, they would be sent out. That, that's what the church is essentially meant to be, a base camp for mission, a place filled with fire, a place of radical hospitality. But just like Acts 2, then like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks. When that happens, we are sent out and we take the fire to the four corners of the world. This is what the king's house is all about. And I believe God is reordering his house because he wants to fill it with fire so that it becomes a place of incredible hospitality for the broken and where we are sent out as carriers of fire to the culture around us. It starts with the holy fire. This is what essentially church then becomes a people gathered around the fire. Maybe the images of a campfire. If you take the fire out from the center, it's just a club uh, devoid of any sense of life. You put the fire back in it, then it's the glorious bride of Christ, right? Um, but then every so often in human history, God pours out his spirit on the campfire. The, these are called revivals. And essentially, like petrol being poured on a bonfire, what happens when you pour out the fuel on the fire is a wildfire begins to spread through their ranks right that's what we call both revival that takes place in the church and awakenings that take place in the surrounding culture and we believe now is the time to rebuild the house now is the time to rebuild the house so let me share with you a bit of a story then i want to take you back to 2017 
I went on a retreat day and I had some time just to pray. And I normally take my Bible and my iPad, um, not to watch Netflix, but just to make notes on my iPad of what I believe the Lord wants to say to us as a church, to me as an individual. And that day, 13th of July, 2017, you might see it on the screen. Um, This is a note in my Evernote um, folder on my iPad. I wrote down the King's house, future home, and I started making some sketches. Like, what would it look like if we could create a house in the heart of King's Cross, a place of God's presence, a place of hospitality, a base camp to send out missionaries all over the place? Um, So I wrote down that and I just started praying towards it. Fast forward then a few months. And we get to December and Joe Davey, who used to be part of our church family, wrote this email to me. She says this during Johnny's talk. She clearly wasn't listening. A dream I had last night popped into my head. I hadn't realized I had it till then. In the dream, I received an email which was from the church. It had an attachment which I opened and realized it was the title deeds to a property, which I understood to be the building KXC has been longing for. On the front page, the name of the property was something like the King's house. Definitely the something house at least. And it had a stamp of a coat of arms or a sort of royal insignia underneath. My reaction was, oh, it's happened already. And my sense reflecting on it was that God has sorted it. Now I read that and was like, oh my goodness. Like I, I think something's about to happen. Like I literally wrote down in my journal, like the King's house. Now it's being prophesied. Maybe something's about to take place. We started looking around King's Cross for some buildings. We actually found a couple. We put an offering on one and it got rejected. And that felt confusing because it's like, Lord, we thought you were speaking. And since that moment, we've consistently prayed, Lord, would you, would you lead us to a place that can be marked out by your presence and radical hospitality in a base camp for mission? Lord, would you lead us to a place like that? Now, uh, a couple of months ago, Anna met with the mission team on our staff, which is Nick and it's Zach and it's Naomi and it's Karis. And they were praying, Lord, would you provide a house, like a home for some of the incredible projects and partnerships that we're engaged with serving the people of King's Cross. So they gathered to pray. And then after that, um, Anna needed to go because she was meeting Rich Spence, our director of ops. Um, And on her way to meet Rich, she walked past this building, 242 Pentonville Road, and previously known as the Poor School, more recently um, the Pauline Quirk Academy. Most of you will know it as the building next to Pizza Union. Um, but essentially walked past it and found someone outside who looked like an estate agent. I'm about to show some people around the space. Now, we didn't even know it was on the market. So Anna went to the meeting with Rich and said, look, before we meet, and they were due to talk about trying to find a home in the heart of King's Cross, can we actually just go back? So I think I've seen the estate agent showing some people around this space. So they went back, they found the estate agent. He took them on a tour of this space. Excitement levels grew. They came back like, we need to organize another visit. So a number of us on the team went back to look around the space and to pray like, Lord, are you moving? Is, is, is this you stirring something right now? Um, And then we went back with our whole staff team. We managed to get the keys um, on our own. And we basically began to worship in that space, like declare that, Lord, we want this place to be a place of your presence. And if this is meant to be part of our story as a church, would you open up the doors to this place? Um, After that, we felt faith levels rising. We put in an offer. It was rejected. We put in a second offer. And for the next couple of months, we heard nothing back. 
And we just presumed that the opportunity had gone and felt pretty gutted by it. And then a couple of weeks ago, heard that the offer had been accepted, right? Which is incredible. There's still a long way to go in terms of signing contracts and exchanging. But it's like, oh my goodness, maybe this door is opening. So we gathered a team to begin to dream, like what would we do in this space? We started working with some architects of like, okay, we could knock these walls down. Remember the C.S. Lewis quote, like we could create a more open space where maybe there's a cafe and there could be a center of mission where some of our partnerships like the KX Brunch, a community cafe for the street population, like they could operate from there and growing hope, working with families, with kids with additional needs. And what about CAP, the new debt center we're about to relaunch? Um, And what about the King's Cross Food Bank? And the list goes on. What if we found a home under one roof where these ministries could begin to thrive? But more than that, What if we established a center of prayer where we were contending for spiritual breakthroughs in the land? Like, What if we could create some community spaces where we could host people in the wider community? What if we could establish an auditorium and where we could gather, particularly for Sunday mornings? It's probably not big enough for our afternoon and evening congregations, but for the morning congregation, you can probably fit in an auditorium of like 200 people or so with loads of kids rooms downstairs. What if we could move church offices in and suddenly it felt like, Lord, we sense like faith levels arising. You are at work. Lord, would you move? Lord, would you move? And we want to show you around this space. Like whenever God begins to move, visions begin to stir. We know what we need to do, right? Is to create a video. Um, So that's exactly what we did. We created this little video just to show you the space, but to draw you into this adventure so that we can be praying and be prepared to give towards what God is doing. So cue the video. This is King's House. We thought we'd just go for a little walk down the road just to go and see this new building. So just over the road is 242 Pentonville Road. You might remember it um, as both the Poor School and then as the Pauline Quirk Academy. When it was built, the ground floor was a shop front. And so um, as part of what we'd love to do, we'd love to open that up to create like a real presence on the street and a place where people can come in and find home. When we get use of the building, this could be an amazing entrance for families on Sundays with buggies um, and for people in the community to come and have a more private entrance. So this is kind of the current reception area we think would be an amazing reception just for people accessing some of the local mission projects and where you'll check your kids in um, on a Sunday. But let's go and take a look at some of the other rooms as well. If you need to hang your coat up, there'll obviously be plenty of coat space. So these spaces on the ground floor are amazing. They've got beautiful windows um, which access uh, that entrance on the way in. There's so much that could happen in these like, blank spaces and we're going to hear a bit from Zach now about some of the community initiatives he's excited to see happen. So in the last seven, eight months with the food bank, we've been able to respond to one of the needs that we've seen and that's been for food. With people on furlough, people losing jobs, kids not going to school, people isolated, there's been a real need for food in the community. And whilst that's still there, we've seen lots of other issues and one of them being isolation. With this space, this allows us to have a physical presence in King's Cross. It allows us to have a place where people can be known, they can belong and what's really important is it's a space where people can have a voice and we can listen to them and we can respond to what they need in the community. We're now upstairs at the front of the building. We're looking to create an auditorium of between like 150 and 180 people. 
and it's got this amazing pitch roof, loads of light, loads of space. It's a bit of a travesty, the ceiling, but above it are those amazing pitch ceilings. So all the way through here, we'll be looking to open up this top floor to create loads of space, room for a staff office, a catering kitchen for events. Part of the church that we'd love to facilitate here is Growing Hope, an amazing ministry that Naomi Graham leads, and she's going to tell us a bit more about the sorts of work they do and what being in a building with King's Cross Church could mean. Welcoming individuals who have high levels of needs and disabilities into this building will speak into the story that God's kingdom is for all people, that everyone is welcome and can find home and welcome here. This building has the potential for adaptations for people with physical needs, so level access, lifts and ramps, um, so that everyone can access any part of the building, but also for adaptations for individuals with hearing impairments, with visual needs, with autism or learning disabilities, all things that outwardly in the building will express our heart as a community, that everyone can come and be welcome here and everyone can come and participate and be a part of our church community and a part of God's kingdom. It's not the best kitchen we've ever seen and what we really long for is this building actually to become a centre of hospitality for people from all walks of life and so we'd love to have a proper catering kitchen where we can cook meals, welcome people here and create a massive centre of hospitality. And what's really exciting about this building is it's so unbelievably flexible and it's got no internal structure as a billiard hall and so it can just be opened up as much as we want. We can make different size rooms but what's more exciting than any of the architecture, any of what will physically happen here is the life that's going to grow here that we hope both lives in the building and also spills out onto the streets around. So let's hear some more about that before we head out. The potential for there to be a home for some of our local mission projects and partnerships really excites me. For a really long time we've dreamt of having somewhere that could house lots of what we do just under one roof. I envisage this place as somewhere where those who are neglected or marginalised in our city can find that they're given priority, acceptance and belonging. The mum from Choices who comes to collect items from the boutique ends up chatting to a volunteer and then turns up to church on Sunday because it's in the same building. Or Growing Hope family that come for a clinic session and find out about CAP and sign up for CAP while they're there. Or like a guy who's done Alpha with us in prison, he comes to have a coffee with a volunteer and um, signs up to serve in the cafe team on Sunday. The fact that it could all be in one place it's so easy for people to connect, to find belonging. There are so many potential scenarios. The, the possibility that we could provide like holistic wraparound discipleship, support and empowerment is the dream and I'm really excited that it could happen and happen soon. So that's a little tour of the building. Thanks so much for coming around with me. I can't wait to show more of you around in person, but more than that, to see everything God's got in store and for KXC in this building in the future. Great technique, Tommy Ellis.
How amazing is that and how exciting is this opportunity? Yeah. Now it's going to require a faith journey for us. We need to generate £280,000 just to get in the front door. Um, but beyond that, there's other things that we want to raise finance for to, res to respond to what God's doing in this time. So as well as the rebuilding that I've named, secondly, there's things that we want to resource well in this season. Um, so there's a few roles that we're about to recruit for where we want to just pour fuel on the fire where we see life and sparks of what the Spirit's doing. Number one is media and production. Like there's so much opportunity in terms of missional opportunity right now um, through reaching people um, through the online stuff. And, and we just need to actually build that team because they are so stretched right now. Secondly, youth work. We believe now is the time to invest in youth work and youth mission. So we want to employ a part-time youth worker and thirdly, we want to employ someone to help with the admin load to join the ops team as we carry all that God is asking us to carry. So we want to resource the ongoing mission and growth of KXC. We think that's going to require another £25,000. And then beyond that, we believe there needs to be a reshaping. This is back to the C.S. Lewis word. Like we believe we need a new shape for the new season that we're entering into. Now, when we regather in January, Anna mentioned earlier that in December, we're going to keep online. But when we regather in January, our priority will be King's Cross. This is the place where God has called us. It's the place that God has broken our heart for. So we will regather in the heart of King's Cross. But we also think now is a time to be creative. Necessity is the mother of invention, as the proverb goes. And we think this is a time to experiment. So as well as gathering in King's Cross, we want to start some other gatherings across the city. When we were in Scala a few weeks back, um, the capacity was 300. That meant over half our church family couldn't come to church on Sunday. And beyond our church family, anyone exploring faith, anyone that was vulnerable and searching for community, there wasn't space at the table. We have to create more space. So yes, we're going to regather in King's Cross, but we're going to start a number of congregations around the city to create more space at the table so people can worship um, and fall in love with Jesus. So we think we're going to need another 25,000 for that. I know some of you doing the mass would like to say, what? Well, here's, here's the mass made easy. So 280,000 for King's House, 25,000 for resourcing, 25,000 for reshaping. The good news is that we've got 80,000 pounds in a building fund already. So the grand total is 250,000 pounds that we need to raise. We've done it before and we believe that we can do it again. Now, I know some of you might be thinking like, is this the best time to be doing something like that? We're entering into a potential recession. There's so much financial uncertainty. And the honest answer, I think, is like, yes. Sometimes God asks us to do strange things. He, he takes the foolish things to shame the wise, the weak things to shame the strong. And we believe he's asking us to step out in faith to respond to this moment. So this is a faith moment. We live by faith and not by sight. But here's the other reason I think this is really important. We are in a crisis right now. We are in a storm. You may have heard people say this, that we're all in the same boat because of COVID-19, a shared trauma. We're all in the same boat. Can I just say we are not in the same boat? 
We're in the same storm, but we're in fundamentally different boats. Some people are in well-established boats right now, yachts, and maybe the boat has taken a bit of a hammering, but you are going to be fine and you are going to get through this. Other people in society are in dinghies without any oars. Other people are clinging on to driftwood, uncertain whether they're going to make it through. Our priority has to be the most vulnerable in society right now. We have to be leaning towards the broken. Like we know that in the aftermath of COVID-19, there's going to be a wave of poverty that hits this nation. We know already that food poverty is growing. We know that unemployment is growing. We know that people are losing jobs. They've lost loved ones. They're losing homes. We know that domestic violence levels are rising. Suicide levels are rising. Mental health struggles are rising. Consumption of alcohol rising. Consumption of porn rising. All of this stuff. There's so much anxiety. There's so much despair. As I said earlier, one of the defining markers of the king's house, it's a place of radical hospitality for the most broken. You see this in the ministry of Jesus. And when the spirit of God begins to be poured out upon the church, there's a reordering. There's an opening up to create more space for the broken to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he lived for us, that he died for our sins, that he rose to new life and we can experience life in him. So I want to encourage you in this moment, not to turn in on ourselves, but to turn outwards towards the world and say, God, would you give us compassion for King's Cross and passion for this nation? When Jesus looked over Jerusalem, he wept, right? We need to look out at what's happening on our streets, in our communities, and we need to weep. And with that compassion, we need to say, God, would you stir up faith and would you fan into flame the gift of generosity? Because we right now want to raise some money so that we can establish a home in the heart of King's Cross, marked out by fire, a place of radical hospitality and a base camp for mission. So if you're part of the KXC family or you're watching this from beyond London or wherever else, I just want to encourage, would you consider giving towards this adventure? There's three things you can do. If you head to the website, kxc.org.uk forward slash rebuilders, um, either you can decide to give a one-off gift. That's the first thing you might want to do. Um, go to the website and you can make a one-off gift and you can fill out the form so that we can gift aid um, the money on that. But the second thing you can do, you might think, do you know what? I'm not in a position right now to financially give, but I could pledge to give over the next six months. What if I basically said, I'm going to fast coffee for the next six months and everything I would have spent on coffee, I'm giving towards the king's house. I'm not going to drink alcohol again for the next six months and everything that I would have given is going to go towards the king's house. This is how fasting is often operated in the church, that the church chooses to live simply so that other people can simply live with food on the table, a roof over their head. So maybe for some of us, it's like, I can't give right now, but I'm going to make some sacrifices and I'm going to pledge over the next six months to give dot, 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 because I want to be part of this story. Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. As we give to this, we're giving our hearts to this unfolding adventure. Here's the third thing you can do then. Um, if you know someone, maybe in your family, maybe a colleague, maybe a housemate, and you're like, I wonder whether they would want to support this kind of project, something in King's Cross serving the most vulnerable in society. Why didn't you just send them a link to this website, kxc.org.uk forward slash rebuilders. In the next week, we're going to start a kind of crowdfunder on, on just giving. And so the details will appear on this website, but you might want to send them a link and say, 
So look, long shot, um, but would you be up for supporting or think about supporting a project like this? So here's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna create some space now, just to allow our hearts to breathe and to respond. And we're gonna ask the question, Lord, what would you have me do in response to what your spirit's doing through the KXC family? We're gonna play a song. Um, and as we play this song, why don't you just ask God that? And if you sense him speaking, why don't you just go kxc.org.uk forward slash rebuilders and respond in faith. Let me pray before we listen to this response song. So Lord, I ask that you would fan into flame the gift of faith. Lord, we thank you. It says in your word, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But even with the smallest amount of faith, we can command mountains to move to the sea. And Lord, we face a mountain, a 250,000 pound mountain. Lord, we, we face other obstacles that stand in our way. And yet with faith, we say, Lord, would your kingdom come? Lord, would your will be done here in King's Cross as it is in heaven? Come, Holy Spirit, pour out your fire upon this house. Holy Spirit, come. Let's listen to this song. Mountains are no match for you. Mountains are no match for you. You're the God of the impossible. God of the impossible. It's been one. You're the God of them. 